0: When I was about nine years old, my mom told me that we were going to go to a church service on a Saturday night. It wasn't something we'd done very often. It wasn't even that common in that day uh, in Houston, Texas. So my little brother and I, we got in the car with mom and we went to, uh, to the service. I wasn't all that excited about it until she told me that this was the guy that was on TV. And that uh, there would be a good chance that uh, maybe I would be on TV as well as they, uh, as they panned over the congregation. So that put a whole new perspective on going to church on a Saturday night, right? So as a nine-year-old, I'm thinking about it on the way in. And I thought, well, maybe if we get there and we can kind of get into a seat where we feel like the camera might come through, that that might be good. So, so unlike most of you all today, I was very motivated to sit up near the front. Got up near the front, saw where the camera was. actually actually, was over on this side, and uh, and the camera obviously would stay uh, on the on the platform for most of the time with the music and so forth. But every now and then, I would notice that the cameraman would pan across the uh, the congregation, and inside, I knew this was my moment, right? And so, uh, at first, I kind of looked over at and I gave a little wave. <laughs> But uh, uh, the more it would go back and forth, the bolder I got. And so uh, I was doing a great uh, elbow, my little brother, and we were making faces and all kinds of things. And we are having a great time. It was, it was really a fun worship service for us. Until uh, all the music was over, they had a little break, and the cameraman was heading my direction. And so he and I were going to have a little chat. And so he came up and told me, he said, son, he said, you know, you realize that as we take this video that... If if you're doing these kinds of things in the in the uh, in the uh, in the camera, we're just going to have to edit it out. There's no way you're going to be on TV if if, if you're going to keep doing these kinds of things. And, and so that was that was kind of a teachable moment for me. He told me if I would just act like I was paying attention, that he would make sure that he would get me in the frame and that I would be on television. Um, the other thing that happened is, uh, I, I can still remember the look on my mom's face because evidently she didn't know any of this was going on until he and I were having this, this little conversation. But uh, anyway, why do I tell you that story about me trying to be on TV on a Sunday morning, uh, Saturday night service for the uh, following Sunday morning? Because I realize that I'm not the only one who has ever shown up in a worship service with other motives than worshiping the Lord, Right? You ever have one of those days where it's just routine, it's just habit, it's just this, it's just that, but you haven't really focused on the reason for coming? I hope today, I hope today as we spend some time in God's Word, that you will be encouraged that it will give you a greater uh, appreciation and, a, and, a, and even a greater desire to be worshiping the Lord. As we come together as a church, because that's obviously uh, a way in which we worship Him, but even in your, in your personal time of worship, when you're in the Word and in prayer, uh, in your private devotional time, may you be encouraged. As you know, we're in the second week of a new series, a very short series uh, for the new year, called Catalyst, Spark Your Spiritual Growth. And thinking about how we can look at 2015 and how can we position ourselves so that we can focus upon our life in Christ growing and flourishing. Because we know that that is what God has designed for us. He wants us to have a spiritual life that is flourishing one that is growing, one that's not apathetic or lethargic or stale, but one that is continually understanding new things of Christ, continually being encouraged in our faith and built up. Last week we looked at John chapter 15, and we saw that that we're called to abide in Him, that He is the vine, we are the branches, we receive our nourishment from Christ, we receive our growth from Him, and so we we, we certainly uh, see the need to... uh, uh, to, to, uh, to remember that, that much of our spiritual life is about abiding in Him. And that includes uh, time in the Word and in prayer. And, uh, and so I hope that, uh, that that was helpful last week. This morning we're going to see that our spiritual lives are sparked when we intentionally and authentically give ourselves in worshiping the Lord. Let's see this morning our personal responsibility to pursue our, our, our maturity in Christ through worship. I want to begin by giving a little bit of a definition about worship. There's only a couple points this morning. And then uh, I'll wrap up with some, uh, uh, about three practical ways that I think uh, our, our, our minds can be, uh, can be geared for a worship time. But the first one is a little bit of a definition. Worship is a declaration about God. Worship is coming together uh, uh, as, a, as a body of believers and making a declaration, focusing upon who He is, what He has done. In fact, we get the word worship from an old English word that was worthship, And so we're considering the worthiness of God, how much He is worth. In fact, one has said it's focusing on and responding to God. We consider who He is, His great worth. We consider what He has done in creation as well as in redemption through His Son, Jesus Christ. Our minds and our hearts are filled with the majesty of God and we are reminded of His worthiness. And so out of that we respond. Out of that we make declarations of our faith in Him, our trust in Him, as well as how, how good And how faithful He has been to us. So that's what we do as we come together. Through song and through prayer. We are making a declaration about Him. Don Whitney in his book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. Defined worship like this. And I think it's an excellent definition. He said, to worship God is to ascribe the proper worth to God. To magnify His worthiness of praise. Or better, to approach and address God as He is worthy. And so we do that. When we, when we come together, we, our, our, our thoughts are Godward. Our, our words, our prayers, our songs, they are in the direction of the Lord God Almighty. The New Testament has a, a, a few different words that are sometimes translated as worship. One of them means to bow down. And another one, which is, is still used uh, in, uh, in in modern Greek language today, is speaking of of giving honor. And uh, many of the songs and the, the Greek uh, uh, hymns and praise songs that we would sing, we would we'd hear this word la trevo, over and over again. I finally had to ask someone, "What is latrevo? And and, and it, it it translates worship, but it, it's 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 beyond uh, what we might think of as worship. It's thinking about giving honor. You are giving a gift. You are giving a sacrifice of praise, even as you sing, as you live your life, that you're doing so in honor of God. Well, you may ask, well, how do we know what to declare about God? What is it that should fill our hearts and minds? And and we know that God has revealed himself. He has made himself known to this world. And whether uh, you're looking in uh, Revelation uh, uh, Psalm chapter 19, Psalm chapter 29, uh, Romans chapter 1. It, it, it says that he has, he has made Himself known even through His creation. That we can, we can look around and we can see the design. We can see the, the grandeur of, of, of the creation of the universe. And we see that behind that is a designer, a creator. And so theologians say that, that this part of His revelation is the general revelation the general revelation that, that, as we look out at over the expanse, we see there is something that is behind what we uh, uh, what we have before us, and that is that is the general revelation of God. Um. One way that we look, we, that we see this is is in his universe, and just as a as a very quick illustration to to help us to to remember again the magnitude of of his universe let 's just use some 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 pictures of our planets that are that are put in scale to, to be reminded of just how big this universe is and i 'm sure there 's other ways this could be done but uh, but we 'll look at just a few a few slides here that i that I hope will give a little perspective to the greatness of the galaxy. You look at, at the Earth and you see it in proportion to other planets such as Venus and Mars and Mercury. But you know that there are also other planets that are much larger. If you look at the next slide, you see that the, uh, that the Earth is, is much smaller. When you look at Jupiter and Saturn, you know, and Earth, Earth is one of the small ones there on the front row. That's how much bigger some of the other planets are than the planet Earth. If you look at it in comparison to the sun, um, I know you probably cannot hardly even see it there. Uh, in fact, if the sun was a container, it could hold 1.3 million planet Earths within it. That's how big the sun is. But we know that the sun isn't the largest. There are other stars, there are other, there are other uh, formations out there that, uh, that make the sun look very small. Uh, if you look at the next slide, you see uh, one picture of that. Um, you can see that the, the sun next to uh, uh, a couple of the stars. Look how much smaller it is. You have uh, these other ones that that, that, uh, that dwarf it. But there's even bigger ones. Look at, at the next slide. Just as we couldn't see the earth in some of the other pictures, now you can barely even see the sun. Uh, Betelgeuse is the name of one of these that is just a tremendously large star. And you think... Not only does the earth not show up on that as a pixel, the, the sun is uh, barely even noticeable in comparison to the magnitude of some of these other planets, these other stars, excuse me. Uh, this is the general revelation of God. The sheer size of His universe is simply staggering. In fact, this one, uh, if you go back to Be- uh, Betelgeuse, the one that's on the left, if, if it was... ...placed in the center of our solar system, it would be bigger than even the Earth's rotation around the sun. That's the magnitude of some of these other stars. Now, why do I share some of these with you? This is part of his general revelation... And you can read passages, as we mentioned, whether it's Romans 1 or even Psalm 19 and Psalm 29, that that declare the wonders of God's creation, of His handiwork, that they point to one who must be great in order to create something of this magnitude and, furthermore, of this design. We're looking at the big right here, but how much time could we spend looking at the small, finite designs of His creation as well? This gives us a glimpse, a glimpse of who He is. Well, that's His general revelation. A special revelation is when God has speci- specifically interacted with us to give us even greater details of who He is. Of course, this is done in His Word as He gives us description. It's done as He's interacted with with uh, with people through through uh, uh, through the years, including and. Uh, Uh, Most importantly, through his son, Jesus Christ, he has revealed his identity and his nature, his character, his love and his grace through his word, through his son. And so it gives us further information about who God is. So as we think about the idea, what do we declare? We have a lot to declare, don't we, church family? As we think about the greatness of God, who he is, what he has done so much that we could say. Ron Owens said it this way. The measure in which we know God is the measure in which we will be able to worship him. And the means by which we get to know God is through his word. And so it's important that that as we have a time of worship, whether it's personal, private time in his word or whether it's as a congregation, that we come with a word centered time of worship in our songs and in our preaching that the word of God is brought to the forefront because it's God's word that declares who God is. And through that we are taught, through that we are, we are encouraged and we are fueled for praise because we have a fuller understanding of the God we serve. Here's one example. If you'd like to turn over to First Chronicles chapter 16. It's a little longer passage, so I didn't put it up on the screen for you. But First Chronicles chapter 16. This is a way in which David uh, spoke words of, uh, of praise. It says, Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and he is to be feared above all gods. Verse 26, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord, the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and joy are in His place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory. Do His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Do you get the idea that David is just considering the greatness and majesty of God? And he's saying, we know this information. And as worshipers, as followers, we get to declare it. We get to share it so that so that we are worshiping him through that and so that others also can hear of his greatness. So, yes, worship is a declaration about God, a declaration of his power, of his greatness, of his glory. And it may help us as we as we come into a time of worship as as we prepare to encounter him to think for a moment who is it that we are addressing who is he if someone were to were to catch you and say can you can you can you tell me a little bit about who this God is that you're singing to or that you're praying to how would you answer what would you say what would you what would you say to this person about who it is that you are addressing in your time of worship. Would you be able to pull in some thoughts from the Word of God? Would you point to things in His creation and in the, the beauty of, of what He has, uh, he has uh, 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 made as, as part of, of, of who He is and what He has done? Would you speak about Jesus and about His death on the cross? His sacrifice on our behalf? These are all thoughts that can fill our minds as we come into a time of worship. It helps us. To be able to to focus on Him and to remember that He is the one who is the audience. You see, that's part of what I wasn't understanding as a nine-year-old, right? I was coming in with all all other motives and reasons on that particular worship service. I was coming in for, for something that would be gratifying myself, right? Well, we have the opportunity each and every week as we come together to think, to consider, to reflect... And I pray that these thoughts will direct us to a very God centered time of worship. It is about declaring who He is. But it's also, secondly, the second point worship is a desire to be near God. It's the, the idea that, that we come to a time in which we want to have an encounter with our living Lord. And we know the Bible speaks of it in a couple of ways that, yes, we do this. When we simply open up the word and we take time to read scripture and to pray in those private devotions. Yes, we are having an encounter and the Bible speaks for us to do these. But it also speaks about coming alongside with other brothers and sisters in Christ. To gather together as a group, as a fellowship, as a community. To join voices together in praying and in praising And in, and proclaiming the proclamation of his word, all of that is part of our worship service together. So, yes, we in, we come wanting to be near him, to encounter him. And I know that we could say, well, isn't, isn't God everywhere? Well, of course he is. God is omnipresent. You can, you can come to God, you can go to God anytime, anywhere. But there are some special ways that you can encounter God in a time of worship. With other brothers and sisters. There is a blessing that he gives. There is is a, 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 a uniqueness about the corporate worship experience that we have. So worship is a desire to be near him. Here's how Isaiah said it in chapter 30, verse 18. He said, how blessed are all those who long for him. And as I think about that passage, I think, you know, that's... That's a word for my heart. That's a word for my mind as I'm, as I'm coming into a time of worship that I would be longing for him. Because sometimes I can come into a, to a time and I, I might long for other things. But to be able to focus and say, Lord, this is a time about you. And I'm longing to be near you. I want I to worship you and I want to hear from you in a very fresh way today. And have an encounter with you because this is about me drawing near to you today. A.W. Tozer in his great book, The Pursuit of God, offered a prayer that I want to share with you. Here's what he said in this prayer. "O oh God, I have tasted thy goodness. And it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for further grace. Oh God, I want... To want thee, I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made thirsty still. Do you hear what he's communicating to the Lord? He's saying, I want to draw near to you, I hunger for you, but I, I don't want that hunger to ever go away. I want to thirst for you, but I want to remain thirsty, not because you aren't satisfying me, but because I long for more. I long to be closer, just as, as Moses was longing to see the glory of God. In Exodus chapter 33, he's, he's speaking of, show me your glory. I want to know you more. I want to see more of you. And, and you know from that account that, that uh, there, there were certain things that had to take place because he had to, to be very careful. God's glory is, is, is so great and so powerful. But the point that Tozer's making and that, that I think we can see is that, that he wants to be satisfied with God. He wants to be filled with God. But he doesn't want to get to the point where he no longer desires to be filled by God. Does that make sense? Can we sometimes get into that position where we feel like we've already seen it? We've already heard it. We already know it. We've already experienced it. That now we'll just go through and it becomes very much a what? A routine, doesn't it? But to come with expectancy... To say, Lord, you have filled me in the past. You have have quenched my thirst in the past. And yet I come and I'm thirsty again to drink from the fountains of living water that only you can provide. Lord, the the desiccating fountains of this world, they, they, they do not satisfy me. Even though at times I stumble and I try. Lord, it's your fountain, it's your living water that I need to fill my soul. Folks, I tell you, we think about catalysts and about sparking our spiritual growth. I think so much of it is right here. Just in the way in which we approach God. The way in which we think about who he is and, and how I can come near him in a time of worship. Lord, make me so thirsty that nothing else will satisfy, nothing else will do other than an encounter with you. Here's what Jonathan Edwards said way back in the 1700s. He said, Such a holy desire exercised in longing, hungering, thirsting after God and his holiness is often mentioned in scripture as an important part of genuine or true religion. That this is part of our experience is to have this this longing to be excuse me, to be near him. Here's how the psalmist said it in Psalm 107, nine it says, for he satisfies the what kind of soul longing soul and fills the hungry soul with what goodness. This is the opportunity that we have to draw near. Because I don't know about you, but there are times that I draw near God to God and I am absolutely empty. Empty. I'm dry. I am needy. And, I, and I, I think and I really believe this, that it honors God when we recognize that only he can supply. Only he can fill. That it's OK that I'm empty because that just shows my dependency upon him, Right. And so when we come to those occasions, it's okay to be thirsty. It's okay to be hungry. And let's allow God to to have this encounter with us, yes, through His Word, through God honoring songs and prayers and, 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 and hopefully preaching, that these are all tools that He would use, that He would use to fill us. We could talk this morning in our discussion of worship about worship principles we could talk about elements of worship, expressions of worship, preferences in worship. But I think, you know, what it really is, is it's a matter of remembering behind it all who it is that we are coming to. I read an article, part of it to you uh, several months ago, called Jesus is the Feast. And it's about, about uh, uh, this particular one was about music. And I want to read just a portion of it again. It says this, the church must never forget that Jesus is the feast. Music, whatever style it comes in, is just a tool. It's a passing tool. But Jesus never fades. Jesus never changes. Jesus never disappoints. Jesus always satisfies. And so we come... And we come hungering, we come thirsting and longing for a Christ who wants us to pursue Him. And in that pursuit, He wants to grow us. He wants to to allow our spiritual lives to flourish. He wants us to have that kind of, of transformation that the encounter we have with our God changes us. We don't walk away the same as when we walked in. James chapter four, verse eight says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now, I realize there's a lot that we could talk about in worship, a lot of things, a lot of of, uh, subtopics through that. But what are the two we've looked at this morning? Declaring his greatness, ascribing to God his worthiness. Because it shows that we've been changed by an encounter with Him. It shows that we've been changed by an understanding of who He is and what He has done. But the second part of it is drawing near and recognizing that this is a a very life-giving relationship that we have in worship. Where we draw near to Him, He is drawing near to us. We come with needs. We come empty. He comes to fulfill. He comes to provide. So God, then, must be revealed in His Word. And His Word must be used as we sing and as we preach. May it be saturated with the Word of God. That way we can have not man's thoughts, but God's thoughts about who He is. Presenting, then, I think, an opportunity for further growth and further worship. For when we think of who He is and what He has done, I think the only response should be a response of worship. It comes through gratitude. It comes through 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 a declaration of what we've what we've learned, what we've gleaned, but it helps us as we respond. Where we place our primary attention, I believe will lead to our primary affection. And so if we come wanting to place our attention on the Lord, I believe that our affections will come as well, that that we will love him, that we will want to honor him and that it's not something that is just taking place within a one hour. All right, let's be honest, one hour and five minute, one hour and seven minute time frame. Right. Okay, a little over an hour, right about an hour. But that's not all that's worship, Right. It's something that we come in and we we experience together, but it should carry on and it should be part of who we are and how we live regardless of where we are. About a hundred years ago, a little more, a man by the name of G. K. Chesterton, theologian from England, said it this way. He said, The world will never starve for want of wonders, but only for want of wonder and i think that in a day in which we have so much technological advance advancement medical advancement that sometimes through all of the drive for information and progress that maybe at times we can be desensitized to the wonder of god the wonder and majesty of who he is i pray today that that he will that he will that he will spark our minds to consider more of him maybe it's passages maybe maybe this afternoon you could go back and have you have you read the opening chapter of ezekiel recently i read it a couple of times this last week what an amazing passage of scripture what about the 6th chapter of isaiah and he gets the the picture of the lord on his throne i know there's a song about it but i tell you it was isaiah first that saw it right Isaiah chapter 6, you can read about this vision that he had of God seated on his throne high and lifted up. Let me give you one more, and we'll use this as 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 a passage to close on, then I want to give you a couple of steps, practical steps to take away. One of the last positive commands in the Bible is in Revelation 22, where it simply says, worship God. And I hope that This passage from Revelation 5 will help us this morning to get another picture. Yes, a reminder, but maybe a fresh reminder of who it is that we worship. Revelation 5, beginning in verse 11. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. Can you just picture that? Imagine this vision that John has been given. Many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Think of the expanse. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, I heard saying, blessing, and honor, and glory, and power. Be to Him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, forever." And ever. Then the four living creatures said, amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. Do you see what God's given us in this passage? He's given us a little snapshot, a little picture of who he is and what it looks like to worship him in heaven. And I believe he's given us these pictures so that it would enhance and further uh, complement our worship of him, even in the here and now, to use his word and to use these thoughts as a way to ascribe to him the glory that is due his name. Well, as we wrap up, I want to give you just three practical steps to revitalize worship. The first one is this. Number one, prepare yourself to encounter him. And I know that, that part of that preparation could be Sunday morning as you're getting up and you're getting ready and you're thinking about what you are about to come and do. It may begin on Saturday. Maybe as you prepare and you think through the word and you're and you you're, you're thinking about the, the time in which you can come and be before the Lord the next day. Even as families, preparing your hearts and your minds to encounter Him. Not just to show up and go through the same old, same old, right? But to come and to encounter Him. Secondly, come with a longing to be near the Lord. And this is this is like uh, just an understanding that we're drawing near to Him. That it's not just simply coming to be together. But it's coming that together we can draw near Him. I think my final admonition would be to come with expectancy. Come saying, Lord, help me to be sensitive today to your prompting to be sensitive to your leading that there's something here today that you want me to see that you want me to hear and that I can hang on to and take with me as I begin this new week I hope that these these thoughts will, will assist you as you prepare for your personal time of worship whether it's at home individually, privately or whether it's when we come together as a church family but I pray that God will use the worship of His Son, Jesus Christ, in 2015 as a way to to expand our thoughts of Him as well as our worship of our Savior. Would you pray with me as we bow together? I want us to to respond to the Lord's Word today through prayer. And I do want to say that if, if you're here today and you have a concern about what it means to know the Lord and to follow Him, I would love to talk with you about that. Maybe there's a need in your life and you just would like someone to pray with you. And when the, when the service is over, once we go out the back doors to the left, there's a little room that we've set up to, uh, uh, to pray together and to talk. And we just want that to be your invitation today. That before you leave, if you have a concern, if you have a need, if you have a question about what it means to know Jesus as Savior, that we will be there. And I would love to talk with you and pray with you about that. If you're a guest with us, we'd also love to have the opportunity to meet you in person. And so we invite you to also stop by. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word and we thank you for how it declares your greatness. And you've used it to reveal yourself in some very specific ways to us. And God, I pray that as we come and we worship every opportunity that we have, that you would be the one that we are looking to. That you would be the one to whom we are addressing and that we are speaking about and that we are speaking to. Father, I pray that that in my own life in 2015, that you will you will stimulate my times of worship. And that for us as a church family, as we have the awesome privilege each week to gather together on the Lord's Day, that you would mightily bless Each and every opportunity of worship. That we together can draw near to you. That you can draw near with us. And that we will walk away changed. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us. And we thank you that we can live a life of worship to you. So we pray this now in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. All of God's people said, Amen.